Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Jennifer Herdler. Jennifer is the CFO at Impact Health. Prior to this role, she was a senior consultant with Simply Put Consulting, focusing on project and financial management and process improvement initiatives for companies. She was also CFO of CourseMax, Inc., a diversified family office with multiple business lines. Jennifer has experience in logistics, real estate, retail, restaurants, manufacturing, distribution, consulting, and accounting advisory. Jennifer is experienced in consulting for IT and process improvement, project planning, and operational risk controls. For over 16 years, Ms. Herdler has been a controller, finance director, chief financial officer, KPMG CPA slash CA, and an organizational process improvement consultant. Jennifer is a strong FP&A and accounting leader with exceptional project management and planning skills, who connects strategic business objectives and the financial impact on the business to help empower profitable data-driven decisions. Jennifer earned a Bachelor of Commerce in Accounting from the University of British Columbia, and she holds a chartered professional accountant license in Canada, the U.S. CPA equivalent. Jen, thank you very much for being my guest today. Oh, thanks, Megan. I'm really excited to be here with you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this topic. It's one of my favorites, uh, obviously, because of its importance to the success of today's CFO. Um, But today we're going to be talking about the role of an operational CFO and having a process improvement mindset, as well as the opportunities and challenges that go along with that. But first, let's start with a little bit about you. Uh, Can you just tell us about your career journey to date and how it is you got to where you are today? Sure. Love to, Megan. I think, you know, really all my work experience has centered around those themes that we're talking about today, which is really, really enjoying being an operational CFO and really enjoying the performance improvement and change management. And I think it really goes back to, you know, um, really enjoying business and both aspects of business, both the the, hum- the the people side of the business as well as the numbers. And even when I was back in in college, I was contemplating whether to be you know do an organizational uh, behavior major versus an accounting major. And um, I'd already had experience with KPMG as a summer student, but I really excelled in those HR classes, and I, it was really hard for me. And I think I ultimately chose to pursue my CPA designation, and I'm really glad. I did because it has really opened many doors for me. But certainly, I think what has helped me through um, this whole process and being an operational CFO is really enjoying both the people side and the number side of business. And I think that's really what helps you be effective. And when I was back at KPMG, I, I articled in Vancouver, Canada, and you know, you obviously get a variety of experience with these in these different work environments. And what I was drawn to was the entrepreneurial companies because it seemed that management could execute change a lot more quickly. And my first role out of public practice was with a, a denim manufacturer called Pimlico Apparel. And we um, manufactured, our significant customers were Levi and Gap, um, but we manufactured denim jackets and jeans. And at the time it was growing at 20 to 30% a year. Wow. And, 
you know, even in the nineties, which I now dating myself, but even back in the nineties, it was, it was hard to keep apparel manufacturing in Canada, right? We had to be super vigilant with our management of our labor costs and as well as our supply chain. And I think that was my real hands-on um, first-time exposure of partnering with operations and really what that means to help drive business results. And I really realized at that moment, like I loved operational, being an operational like CFO, because I really loved the proactive and planning nature of that role. And again, I would then move to, even though I became a manager of financial controls in um, a mutual fund in Toronto, Canada, and you would say that that would not be consistent about being entrepreneurial, but for that role, it was because it was a brand new department and they really wanted to work um, on the controls and their processes. And so I had to really, again, partner with operations to get them to buy into these changes and to create more efficient processes within the company. So it was sort of the same thing and just in sort of in a different way. After um, working at Trimark, we moved to the United States. We moved to New York City and I took a break in my career for over 12 years. Uh, we then moved to Philadelphia and I took on a role as a CFO for a multi-industry family office. And one of the things I did during that time is I did an IT consulting assignment as a finance consultant. And it was for a large freight company that needed upgraded IT systems, as well as more efficient um, processes. And during that year-long project, I worked with both the finance team as well as other operational teams to develop more cohesive processes to run their business more effectively and eliminate some of the redundant processes. And I think there, I really developed a love for process work and the change management piece because it really utilized my financial, my operational and organizational skills. And it relied on me to you know, help effectively move change in an organization. And I realized that that was something that was really satisfying for me. So, yeah, I feel like I say this all the time, but it's not possible anymore for accounting and specifically a CFO to, to operate in a silo. Um, accounting and operations, um, there's so much more value in, in marrying the two. Right. And, you know, you and I, we've been doing this for a while. And I think certainly like, and I keep dating myself, but, you know, when, when I started out way back at Pimlico, I mean, cell phones weren't a thing, right? And email was just starting. And so certainly communications have changed tremendously over that period of time. And really technology has allowed us to be more analytical, right? And not just producing the numbers. Yeah. And so I think more than ever, right, that that technology has allowed us to really create this collaboration, right? With all these departments and to derive financial results. So that certainly, you know, it was, I felt like it was definitely obviously more siloed, you know? Yeah. I, I think the more the technology rises, uh, the more important it is for people to develop their soft skills because that's where the true value is these days. Oh, I totally, totally agree with you because, you know, tools, they provide tools, right? We are, we're all using metrics now, right? To help us run our businesses, which is fantastic because they have a lot of predictive ability, but certainly the, the people that drive the change are the people, right? So we can have all the tools we want and metrics we want, but we really need the people behind it, right? To, to affect the change, to, to motivate people, to help, you know, manage your costs or in your revenue. So certainly, yeah, we're, we're really, it's all people related. 
So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your current organization, Impact Health, and and what it is they do. Sure. So Impact Health is a leader in providing what we call rapidly deployed um, point of care, whether it's health, wellness, or staffing services. And what we do is we combine, you know, we have over 20,000 trained healthcare staff. We have a lot of rigorous protocols that we adhere to, as well as our technology to provide turnkey services, which that includes currently right now, the COVID-19 testing and vaccinations, as well as biometric screenings and staffing programs. And we provide these services for various um, businesses, governments, and organizations. And I would say one of the things that um, has helped set us apart is really our rapid response. We really pride ourselves on our quick turnaround to our customers' requests. And even once we have the customer and the project in place, we certainly have dramatic changes in the requirements from the customers. You know, the the whole industry has changed so dramatically over this period that we've been in the pandemic. And we have to continually to pivot with our customers. So I think that's one of the things that we've been very successful at um, and has kept us really loyal with the customers that we do have. Um, prior to, you know, I'd like to think of Impact Health as like a 20-year startup. You know, prior to COVID, we were this small biometric testing company. And when COVID came along, we experienced obviously explosive growth um, from 2019 to 2020. And obviously, again, in 2021, our revenue in 2020 was 10 times that of 2019. Wow. And the majority of that coming in the last half of the year. And when we started the pandemic, um, our nurse network was, we had 300 nurses and technicians across the country. And now we currently have 20,000 in our network. So that was a dramatic, um, obviously, increase in the scaling our business processes, you know, to create that, um, that network of nurses we have throughout the country. And you've been with them for how long now? So I came on board in August of 2020 as okay, a finance. Wow. Right in the thick yes. of it. Right in the thick of it. So I came on as a finance consultant um, with Simply Put Consulting. And over the period of time, I transitioned over to the CFO. And certainly, yes, we were right. We had, you know, we had just gotten a few really significant state contracts. And, um, you know, the, the volume was went through the roof. And we certainly didn't have the processes or, or IT infrastructure to support that. So, yes, it's, it's been a real journey over the last year and a half with them. Um, and I just want to really quickly go back to something it was that you said earlier. You mentioned that you took a 12-year hiatus to raise a family. So for all the other women out there who are in that boat or who are considering that route, how is it that you got back into the workforce after 12 years? You know, I I really thank you for asking that question because I think it's really hard. You know, I think it's hard for women, they have to make choices. And I think, you know, ultimately, you know, a lot of women feel they have to stay working full time, you know, because they really love their job and they have concerns about how it will feel to work part time or even, you know, giving up their career altogether to raise a family. And I I do think it is really challenging. And, and one of the things I think would be, I would say was a turning point in my career would be um, staying at home to raise my kids. And really that's because when I wanted to go back in the workforce and I wanted to work again, I um, I had taken the job in Philadelphia as the CFO for this multi-industry family office. And I knew I needed to update my 
modeling skills, right? You know, currently, obviously businesses are looking for really current um, skills. And that was one thing I really wanted to work on. And I went to a course in New York City by Training the Street, and it was a financial modeling course. And I'll never remember when I walked in that first day of the course, uh, everyone in that room was at least 20 years younger than me. And it was really, you know, it was really intimidating. And of course, as we're starting, you know, and we're doing different programs and we're doing different tasks, they were all way faster than I was, right? Completing them. And they could move around, obviously, with when Excel way faster than I could. But when it came to actually discussing um, the models and the business decisions that go along with, you know, these models that we've developed... I realized I had a lot of insights that they didn't have. And it was a real moment for me that gave me a lot of confidence, you know, was that I realized like over this period of time, the financial statements hadn't changed, you know, um, making good business decisions requires good judgment, right? And you have to be able to communicate the information well. And I realized I had all these soft skills that they didn't have yep. that were actually really more important, you know, and I really, it really goes back to is leadership is what I feel drives change in organizations. So that in itself, like that gave me so much confidence moving forward in my abilities and sort of being able to trust my judgment and understanding I had this, all this experience before. And I think whenever you take a break, it gives you a different perspective, and I think, you know, that's what we're looking for in a workplace. We're looking for diversity, yeah. right? We're looking for different perspectives because that's when we make better decisions and get better results. Yeah, that's very insightful. And, and thank you for sharing that and, and your experience there. Um, so going back to Impact Health, what have been your proudest achievements since joining that organization? I think, you know, you know, the first thing that I, I was tasked with doing when I joined Impact Health was really um, the automation of the payroll process. So when I came on board, you know, we were running the finance department was pretty much all manual and we were running our payroll system in a similar fashion. We had um, nurses were faxing in their timesheets. You know, we had to manually key in all the information into a database. And then we had to manually key in all this information into the payroll system. And as you can imagine, that that doesn't go well when you're trying to scale an organization that whole process had so many, it was just fraught with errors. And obviously we weren't doing a good job of paying our employees, right? So that to me, it became, that was the critical process to fix right away. Because, you know, obviously without happy staff, we're we're not growing anywhere. So, you know, all of my energy went into, you know, creating a process that worked manually first and then automating the whole process. And that's really what I spent my first six months really focusing on was the whole automation of that process, which we have now done successfully from, you know, onboarding through HR, through the collection of time, the approval of time, and then the processing of payroll, you know, through our system is all automated. And through that uh, process, we are also able to then get our labor information by project, you know, on a daily, weekly basis, whatever we need to measure it at. And that is a, you know, a critical success factor for our business. So I think I am really proud of just how much work that went into, you know, revamping that whole process, but ultimately, you know, making it very successful for our company. Yeah, what an awesome achievement. And, And getting paid is definitely part of keeping employees happy. 
Well, right. Like is <laughs> ultimately, I say this to my team all the time in finance is the most important thing we do, right. Is paying people because, you know, that's ultimately, that's really important. And I think, you know, we still, and from that, you know, we really keep pushing sort of our payroll and how we do things to try and get better at it. And, you know, even from when we started, we used to pay bi-weekly and we've moved that to weekly pay now. And certainly that, you know, that makes our employees really happy, right? So I think just really looking at that process continually and trying to get that better will ultimately serve, right? The organization. Definitely. So over the last few decades, as we look at the role of the CFO, it's undergone a profound shift. And as an operational CFO, and this is the first time I'm actually hearing that term, but as an operational CFO, what does your role entail? You know, yeah, maybe that's just my term. I call it operational CFO. No, but yeah, yeah, I think it needs to be a thing these days. I I really feel like, you know, I I mean, I really do feel like the focus of the CFO has to partner so much with operations, right? Because you're really taking your financial knowledge that you have and understanding what are the, you know, critical financial drivers of the business. And you really need to then communicate that to your ops team and give that them the information so that they can make good decisions, right? So whether it's reporting tools or metrics, but it's really, I feel like a big education and partnering piece, right? That we're in this together and that we're trying to give them the information so they can make really good business decisions. And I think that partnering is really, you know, that part of the business versus just Sort of, I think traditionally, obviously, CFOs have been reporting on financial results, right? Historical, like looking backwards. Right. And I think really now, I mean, at the pace of technology and, and the way that we do business today, you know, the role has just evolved into this. CFO role has really evolved into more of a planning and proactive role, right? And trying to help lead the organization, you know, by giving you know, ops or sales or IT or whatever department it is, the tools they need to do do the business. And I think, you know, as far as my work goes on a daily basis, I'm partnering with the president so much about these strategic initiatives and working, whether it's my senior ops team or my IT team to make sure that they, you know, we're setting up the software and systems, right, to support our growth and support us going forward. So, and and maybe you've already touched on this, but as So what is important for CFOs to know that want to focus on the operational side of the business? You know, I think I I think what is really critical is you have to really understand your business, right? Like you really have to understand um, the key drivers in your business. And I think that's really, you know, from getting involved, like a really hands on from, you know, from a customer perspective, from a vendor perspective, from the different partners that you, you work with, and really obviously your internal team. But I think first, you know, you you really have to understand how the like like an ops person, like yeah. how it actually functions and runs, right? And then helping, you know, and then through your communication skills, giving the, as we spoke about, you know, the team the tools they need. And I think really training and and education is really such a big part of that, right? So yeah. Whenever I speak to my guests about this kind of topic, I'm always reminded of the show Undercover Boss, where sure. you know the CEO would be out there on the front line with the workers, and it would give him a true understanding of the business. Right. Oh, I I, I totally believe that. And sometimes, you know, 
I still, I still get a lot of payroll, like if there's a payroll issue or email directly to me. And sometimes, you know, like, oh no, but it's really good. It's it's really good to have a hands-on to talk to the people, you know, for us that, you know, our nurses and technicians are on the front line and they're, you know, is they're critical to the success of our organization. And they're, you know, it's really good to hear from, you know, when you have a site visit and you can talk to them and hear like the frustrations they have or whatever. And, you know, often they have great insights, right? Because they're living it day to day. They have great ideas as to how you could make change. And yeah. I think, yeah, certainly, yes. So with Impact Health having played an important role in the front lines of COVID-19, um, you mentioned the company's uh, experienced dramatic growth. So talk to me about what this was like and how it impacted the business and your work today. Sure. I, you know, it transformed obviously our business completely, right? Um, we, we came into a company that didn't have any IT infrastructure, right? So that, that we had to look at the whole IT infrastructure, as well as looking at all the different processes with the company and they all had to be you know, redunce, uh, you know, company-wide. Um, pretty much every process in our finance department had to get reevaluated and redone. So we chose, you know, we obviously wanted an ERP. So we had one source of truth within the organization and we chose NetSuite for that. Yeah. And sort of like everything we did at Impact, we had to implement it in a really accelerated timeframe. We were working on QuickBooks, right? And we did, it was not obviously giving us the information that we needed. And so all of our analysis and all of the project um, profitability work we needed to do was all being done in Excel. And so I had to be, you know, pretty aggressive with our plans, but it was certainly what was demanding, uh, you know, what was being demanded of me to run our business. And so, you know, we often use that analogy. It was like us building a 747 in the air because you're just, it's just sort of, you know, you're, you're firefighting all day long with this incredible growth you're trying to manage as well. You're, you're trying to put in all of this infrastructure and process in to help grow the company at the same time. Right. So it's super challenging. And, and amongst that, we had a lot, we had to make a lot of pivots because of industry changes. You know, we had along the way with COVID, you know, we had a, things that change, whether it was counties or cities, you know, when they introduce their vaccine requirements, right. We had, you know, the OSHA mandate come in and that really drove, you know, what businesses thought they needed to have in place, right? You know, we had changes when the, when the variants came around, whether it was the Delta variant or the Omicron variant, we obviously had huge spikes and changes in positivity rates that required us to pivot, you know, dramatically our staffing levels at our various um, projects. So, Throughout the course of this time, even like within the pandemic, it's changed dramatically. And I even look at even the tests that are from both the state perspective and from the businesses that we support, you know, what they're looking for has changed too, you know, versus your PCR, your antigen check test, it has changed dramatically over this period of time as far as what they're looking for. So, you know, one thing I keep saying about Impact Health is that, you know, the thing that's constant is change. Yeah. Um, and that has been a recurring theme for us, even, you know, within this pandemic is just change has been constant. Yeah, I, I personally love change. I think it makes for an exciting work environment. Sure, it sure does, right? But obviously not everybody that. likes that. You know, my team, like <laughs> no one is bored, right? You're definitely, you're, you're never bored there. Absolutely. 
So what advice do you have for CFOs going through a season of growth? Like, in other words, how can a CFO thrive in chaos? Um, as, a, as an accountant, we are known to like structure. So <laughs> talk to me about chaos. Sure. I mean, I mean, ultimately, growth is really hard, right? And and I would say like this last year and a half is, has been extremely hard. I've, I've never been taxed in a way that I have over the last year and a half. So I, I think, um, but realizing that that growth really acts as really a positive change agent, you can use it in that way and you can accelerate change in, in, a, in such a different way than you can when you don't have that growth. And I think really relying, the structure that I often rely on is just that we, we need really good information. So it goes back to your data integrity and your source of truth and what you're using as far as your information goes, because you need to rely on that to make decisions quickly. So I think for me, as far as when you're dealing with all this chaos, I am also very structured, right? And creating some sort of structure within the chaos, I you know simply chunk out times in my schedule every week so that I can work on these long-term initiatives, right? That are strategic because when you're firefighting all day long, you can get lost in that, right? And without building for the future, if you don't set time aside in your schedule, right? There will always be a fire in front of you to deal with. Yeah. And I often too, when I come in every day, I'm pretty much, I have sort of three things that I know I have to accomplish to really move these initiatives or a project forward. And many days, that's all I get done because whatever issue has come up for us that we have to deal with, with a kind of extreme growth. So I think in that, having that sort of structure for me, I sort of know each day if I'm chunking away at these bigger term projects and moving them forward in the right direction, that I know that I'm accomplishing and I'm looking after the company going forward for our growth plans. So I certainly, those things have sort of helped me create a bit of structure within the day that can be, you know, that can be pretty hairy at times. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, and often I hear that the hardest part of change is actually getting people to buy into that change and then manage the process of change. So what is the key to being successful in change management? Well, <laughs> if I knew that, that I would be using that on my teenagers and my college students every day, but, you know, or like my kids, right? The college, they're college students, but because, you know, I think, you know, I wish I knew that as well, because it's all about motivating, right? Motivating the person. And I, you know, I pre I think really from a work perspective, I look at it from just trying to appreciate that everyone's coming from different comfort comfort levels with change, right? So not everyone, some people can, you know, move with change a lot easier than others. And for those that have a harder time with change, I think I have found just understanding what it is that is really behind the change that is causing them, you know, concern or whatever it is for them and trying to address that head on. And I often find that a lot of it is for a lot of the people that I'm working with, or even as a department as a whole, is that they don't understand how what they do affects, you know, whether it's upstream or downstream, right? Other people within the organization. And I think when we get a group together and we're looking at a process, and I think this is why I love process work so much, is when you get a multidisciplinary team together and you go from beginning to end of a process and they actually see, you know, how something they do affects someone, you know, five steps, 10 steps down the process, right? They're much more receptive 
to doing change when they understand how that can positively help another team. Because I think a lot of the time people just aren't aware of what they're doing. Um, It it makes things harder or better for another department or even another individual within their department. So I feel like that's why the process works really helps move through on change management. And then ultimately, I think if people really just buy into the, the vision of what it is you're trying to change and why you're trying to change it. And I think taking the time and spending some time on that has helped, right? Understanding that, that how this relates to the bigger vision of the company or the department that you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, for someone that said they they are not sure how to do it, that's, uh, that's awesome advice. I think transparency, early buy-in and... Like you said, getting people to understand the part they play in a bigger picture, um, all very important components to managing people through change. Yeah. So as you look out on, let's say, the next quarter or two quarters, what is the biggest challenge that you and your team are facing? Well, you know, as I've said, like our industry has changed so dramatically. And one of the things that we're currently facing right now is um, supply chain issues. You know, inventory management has been extremely challenging for us over the last few months because it's really hard to procure COVID-19 tests right now, right? We have, there are global shortages on the COVID tests. So getting this product to support our revenue streams has been really difficult. And obviously without these COVID tests, we cannot generate revenue in the in our testing division, right? So, so the sourcing of these tests has now become a strategic initiative, right? So I look at two quarters ago, that was not an issue for us at all, right? And certainly that is upfront and critical as far as we're, you know, managing it every day and putting it, you know, managing it differently, doing, um, looking at our analytics and our metrics to, you know, sort of anticipate our inventory needs and demands. And, you know, that whole planning, demand planning thing has become paramount, you know, for our focus right now. Yeah. I mean, I guess I I read in the news every day about supply chain issues, but I didn't even think about how major that is for for you and an organization like yours. Right. Yeah. You're right. I know all industries are facing this. So it's it's been really interesting. And then you certainly, you know, we're also looking at for us, you know, it's like we're transitioning. Obviously, we have an expansive nurse network across the country and we're really looking at, you know, supporting our other revenue streams and using these nurses in the other way in other ways that are complementary revenue streams going forward. I mean, I, I know obviously COVID-19 has served our company very well, but certainly we would all like COVID, you know, to become a lesser role, right? Yeah, in definitely. all of our lives. And certainly for, you know, the country, I would really like to see it become, you know, less intrusive for all of us. And certainly, you know, we have been working hard at our strategy as far as developing, you know, complementary revenue streams to grow, keep growing our company forward. And lastly, as a CFO, as you look at the big picture, what, what's keeping you up at night? You know, I, I certainly, you know, I think for me is providing good leadership. You know, I always is really trying to balance, I feel in the company, the analytics and connecting with people. And, you know, I think obviously, you know, the market is really competitive right now to get attract good talent. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, the workforce is critical, right. For any business's success. So I think looking at, 
you know, making sure that we have policies in place that really support our company, that are progressive, that really mean something to our team and the people that we have within our company. So I think that, you know, to me, I always am very concerned about that we're leading and we're looking after our people in a way that's super positive that will, you know, help support our company going forward and help them today. Excellent answer. Jen, thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, it was wonderful talking with you. Thank you for your time, Megan. Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about your experience and all of the resulting insights. And I appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. And I wish you and Impact Health all the best. And to our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care. Thanks, Megan. Yeah, that was awesome. Let me uh, stop this recording. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.